Singer-actress Gloria Loring says that having R&B songbird Robin Thicke as a son and musical collaborator is not a coincidence, but just God's way of remaining anonymous. As I was telling the story of how I raised the million dollars and the benefactor coming into my life, the person I was speaking to said, oh, well, but you know, coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. Jazz artist Renee Marie credits many women, including Eartha Kitt, for her life direction and musical influences. It's always been a desire of mine to sing songs of the women from whom I, I guess you say, inspired me the most musically. The King of Zydeco, Rockin' Dupsy Jr., says that you aren't human if you don't feel the rhythm of Zydeco. If you're not dancing the Zydeco music, then you got a hole in your soul. Enjoy the melodies of travel with three extraordinary musicians as we hear about their personal and cultural journeys and hear what Rio de Janeiro has to offer on our destination spotlight on World Footprints Radio with Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick. Later in the hour, we'll revisit our conversation with the King of Zydeco, also known as the Mick Jagger of the Marsh, Rockin' Doopsy Jr. We spoke to him during one of our many trips to New Orleans during French Quarter Festival. Also coming up on World Footprints, we will speak to jazz artist Renee Marie about overcoming challenges to find her true voice in music and about her decision to create a tribute album to Eartha Kitt, an artist who had tremendous influence over her style. We will also hear what Rio de Janeiro is doing to prepare for the Olympics and learn about Rio's gastronomy, cultural, and natural gems. But first, Days of Our Lives watchers will know our next guest, singer, actress, and author Gloria Loring. Gloria played Liz Chandler for seven years on the popular daytime drama, and she can be heard on the theme songs to the NBC sitcoms The Facts of Life and Different Strokes. Gloria recently wrote a spiritual autobiography called Coincidence is God's Way of Remaining Anonymous, which we featured on a World Footprints book club show. She has starred in various theatrical productions, and she continues to advocate on behalf of juvenile diabetes awareness. If that isn't enough, Gloria has an active blog and recently released a new CD titled A Playlist that includes a duet with her R&B baby, as she calls him, singer Robin Thicke. Gloria, welcome back to World Footprints. Well, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Well, you know, it's been a while since we last chat, and I'm looking forward to catching up with you and your and your travels. Um, but for those who did not hear our book club interview, tell us a little bit about your book, Coincidence is God's Way of Remaining Anonymous. Well, I call it a memoir with a message. <laughs> I had a series of extraordinary coincidences that happened to me that were just the perfect thing for me at the right time. And along the way, I was recounting one of those stories about how um, a benefactor uh, stepped in to help me raise a million dollars for diabetes research after I made a promise to my son that I would do something to try to end his diabetes. And... Um, as I was telling the story of how I raised the million dollars and the benefactor coming into my life, the person I was speaking to said, oh, well, but you know, coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I said, whoa, 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 wait, wait, say, say that again? What? Coincidence is what? God's way of remaining anonymous? I, I got to write that down. So I wrote it down, and I started to think about it. 
And, you know, these ideas that we repeat to ourselves, and sometimes they're not very fortunate ideas, but they become like mantras, words that infiltrate our heart and our understanding. And for me, it was this saying about coincidence and God. And I started to notice, as I thought about this idea and repeated it to other people, because I thought it was very cool sounding, um, that I was experiencing over a period of years these coincidences, these things, these coincidings of meaningful events that were appearing in my life. Um, And I started to wonder, uh, you know, uh, how could I tell people my stories and make them meaningful for them in a way that would not just say, oh, look how lucky I am, but here's how lucky I am, and you're just as lucky. These things are happening to you, but you may not notice them. You may not have an understanding within which to hold them. And so I started on uh, a long journey of reading every book I could find about coincidence and synchronicity. And also, um, I found out that the quote about coincidence and God was um, said by Albert Einstein. I know that you're still acting and singing, but are you finding a new voice as an inspirational speaker? Because I think you've been very inspiring in just the short time that we've had on on the show right now. Um, I do that occasionally. Um, I'm still singing. I did a couple of movies this year. I did a play uh, that was great fun. Um, Talk about inspiring. Nora Ephron, Nora and Delia Ephron have been bringing us a comedic uh, look at ourselves and life for so many years. And Nora passed, I guess it was two years ago now, and I got to do um, star in her play Love, Loss, and What I Wore. And it was so much fun to do comedy. I want to do more comedy. (laughs) (laughs) And then I just did a Christmas movie that was on at Christmas time called Back to Christmas. It was kind of a little Christmas fantasy. Mm -hmm. And that was fun. And then I just finished filming um, a short film about a 12, 13-minute film called Heavenly that two young filmmakers are making. And they actually, I was so honored, they wrote the role with me in mind. And um, I was really honored by that. I, I'm, I'm not sure, <laughs> um, it, it, you know, on on um, uh, on the surface, it might not look like that was a compliment because it's about a woman who's drug addicted and alcoholic, none of which I am. Right. But <laughs> what 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 um, John, uh, one of the writers, said was that he had always sensed in me a combination of vulnerability and strength. And that's what he wanted this character to exude, and um, even in the midst of her difficulties. So that was uh, a lot of fun. We did that in December, and um, yeah. So I'm I'm doing lots of things, and I you know I continue to do some writing mm-hmm. and and live my life, and you know just have a, I live in the mountains where it's so beautiful. On your your latest CD, you guys actually did a duet of one of my favorite songs, and it's so. Uh, loved by my husband and I'd appeared on our wedding CD. We created a wedding CD. um, It's called The Prayer. And, um, you know, I was thinking about that. And, um, you know, that that piece actually seems to be um, have some a complicated arrangement. And so I'm curious about um, any creative differences you two might have had. And if you pulled rank as mom. (laughs) <laughs> no, absolutely not. I um I recorded the track. Um you know, uh, Robin has both um uh, 
a, a deeper voice, and he also sings in that higher falsetto, tenory kind of, you know, mm-hmm. light voice. So I knew that he and I could sing it in the same key, and I checked with him, and I went ahead and produced the track. And then um, I let I, pu- I put on a scratch vocal, and then he put on his vocal. He sang his part where he was singing the melody. And then I went in later and matched his vocal with my harmony. So that was fun. And our voices, of course, coming from the same lineage, sure. <laughs> um, just blend beautifully. And then one of the nice things was Carol Bayer Sager, who's one of the composers, along with David Foster, mm-hmm. um, evidently heard our version somewhere and sent me a, a lovely note saying that um, she felt it was the prettiest version she'd ever heard. So I was so honored by that because, you know, being a songwriter, when someone says something like that, um, I, I really take it to heart. So that was very nice. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, and, you know, my CDs, anybody's uh, interested, are available on iTunes for download. And they're also available on my website, GloriaLoring.com. Mm-hmm. And my book is available on, I think, Barnes & Noble and Amazon, you know, on online. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'll be interested. I mean, if somebody reads it and wants to send me an email, I'm pretty easy to find. I'm Gloria at GloriaLoring.com. And I love to hear from people who've read it and found value in it. Absolutely. And, and of course, we have a link to your website and um, your book on Amazon on your um, guest page on our website. Page will pop up. This is World Footprints Radio. I'm Ian Fitzpatrick with my wife, Tanya. And we're talking to singer-actress Gloria Loring about her book, Coincidence is God's Way of Remaining Anonymous. We are also learning about her musical collaboration with her famous R&B son, Robin Thicke. So I, w- I want to just talk real, real quickly about your travels. You know, we're a travel show, and so we, you know, we're going to go see where you have been and, and live vicariously through some of your travels. Oh, my God. Where have you been recently? Oh, recently I haven't been doing as much traveling. Oh, no. But let me let me just say, okay, the places that I have been that um, were eye-opening and high, that I just love, places that I would love to live, mm-hmm. certainly would be uh, in Paris. Oh, I want to go to, I want to live in Paris for a while, <laughs> even for a couple of months. Um, Vancouver is mm. absolutely beautiful. I would I would go and move to Vancouver if it were if it worked with my life. Um, some travels I want to take. I, I come from Irish, Scottish, and English heritage, and I would very much like to take a trip up into Ireland and Scotland. Maybe that would be two trips, really. Um, I have been to Norway and Denmark and and loved being there. Mm-hmm. Just enjoyed that so much. And another place, just a couple of years ago, we went we went on a Baltic cruise mm-hmm. to the Baltic states, winding up in St. Petersburg. That oh, was amazing. Yes. Um, but the place that really touched our hearts was Estonia. And Estonia is a small Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, mm-hmm. those those countries, you know, bordering on Russia that Russia took over for so long and just so many atrocities, you know, people just disappearing and sent to Siberia and their their homes taken over, etc. And so Estonia, there's an extraordinary um, documentary called The Singing Revolution. They used to have this singing festival and they'd have as many as 20,000 people or I know, thousands of people, I don't want to get it wrong, mm-hmm. um, doing the, the choir singing, and then they'd have like 100,000 people would show up, and they'd all sing together. Well, when 
the Russians took them over, they forbade them to sing um, any of their traditional folk songs or their traditional Estonian anthem. And they they put up with it for a long time because it was pretty brutal and they were scared. And then one time at one of the festivals, um, some people in the choir started singing their national anthem, the Estonian national anthem, mm. and the Russians had never heard it, and they didn't understand the language. And by the time they finished, everyone in the place was singing together, except, of course, the Russians. And it was the beginning of a, of a really fairly bloodless um, transfer of power. And it, it was sort of part of a, a time that Latvia, Lithuania, that the Cold War was breaking up, etc. But, but the courage of those people just touched our hearts, and we were at the, the grounds where they hold the singing festival, and the woman who took us on the tour had been in the choir as a young child. Um, wow. 20 years, 20-some years before. So that was a place that really, I really feel um, an enormous heart kinship with. Um, so I, I just think the world is such an amazing place, mm-hmm. and I love hearing about how people live and, and uh, grow and prosper and the foods they eat and the songs they sing and the dances they do. So I look forward to a lot more travel as the years go on. You know, we we try to to foster the concept of uh, global citizenship here, um, but it, it means different things to to different people. And listening to you talk just about the experience and what you see and what you feel, um, you know, in some of these the places that you've been, I, I'm curious, what does the concept of global citizenship mean to you? Well. Um, when you're the citizen of a community, um, if you're engaging in right thinking and right living, etc., um, you try to contrib- contribute positively, you respect your neighbors, you work together with people, um, you're friendly, you're welcoming, you have good manners. Um, and I think that's what a global citizen is, that no matter where you go, you um, approach people with respect and kindness and I mean, it all really comes down to the golden rule. And all, all the major traditions around the world have that that basic tenet of treat others as you would like to be treated. In mm-hmm. one form or another, they have different words for them. But, but so when we travel, to be kind and gentle and use our best manners. Um, you know, the French are very fussy about manners. It has to be <laughs> s'il vous plaît, merci. You know, you don't snap your fingers and say garçon, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, know? Um, you, you, you need to, I think, to before you go into a community or a, a country to familiarize yourself with the way they do things. I remember when I traveled around the world with Bob Hope on the USO tour and we went to Vietnam, but we stopped for a fueling stop in the middle of the night in Saudi Arabia. And we were told to be sure not to cross our legs so that the bottom of our feet were pointing up because the bottom of your feet is considered um, very lowly and mm-hmm. it's an insult to point the bottom of your feet at somebody. So that was good to know, you know, because you, you, you want to present yourself in a way that is um, a, an opportunity to connect with others. So mm-hmm. if somebody has a little issue about something, like, okay, whatever, you know, <laughs> big deal. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, in China, it's it's acceptable to burp and make all kinds of noises, and here we would consider that incredibly rude. <laughs> so everybody's got their own way, and it just shows that there are lots of ways to live a life. I really do hope to see you here in, in, uh, in D.C., 
in the near I future. I would love that. Well, if I get to D.C., I will be sure to send you an email and we'll try to connect. Please do. Please do. All right, my dear. Take care of yourself and thank you so much again for, for joining us on World Footprints. Absolutely. My pleasure. To follow Gloria Loring's career, visit GloriaLoring.com and visit this show page on WorldFootprints.com for a direct link to purchase her book, Coincidence is God's Way of Remaining Anonymous. destination spotlight, Michael Najee from the Rio de Janeiro Convention Bureau sits down with us at the New York Times Travel Show to share the city's preparations for the Olympic Games. Rio's being redesigned, if you like. I mean, we've been under construction for the last four years. The city's redesigned itself. We're very excited about the Olympics coming up now in, in August. Um, and with all the changes, we had the World Cup two years ago, now we've got the Olympics. Rio's really become four destinations in one. Rio today is a destination you can spend 15 days and you won't do the same thing again. We've got over 100 new tourism products and tours that have developed into the city. Um, you've got, we've doubled the number of rooms in the city. We've got all the big um, American brands. Um, I don't know if this is a good one, but Donald Trump's there. The Trump Hotel's your next president opening on the 1st of June. You've got the Sheraton's, you've got the Marriott's. Um, the Marriott's actually going to be in the Olympic um, Village. They have a hotel there. You've got the Grand Hyatt's opening up soon as well. Um, so all the big brands are there now. It's ready to receive all your clients. I mean, we've got uh, downtown Rio's now, 9,000 rooms. We just um, inaugurated the Museum of Tomorrow, which is a fantastic masterpiece, which they've done. It's a walking destination, lots of gastronomy. The nightlife is fantastic. Then you go to the iconic Rio, Ipanema, Copacabana, Leblanc. Um, those places everybody knows about but it's still the same and still as great as always you've got Baja de Tijuca which is a new destination just west 15 minutes from downtown Rio and literally 80 kilometers of pristine white beaches shopping malls, restaurants, sports and that is basically where Rio is going to stage the Olympics is going to be in Baja so all of your, your who's listening to us now and whoever's going to watch the Olympics you're going to see a lot of Baja de Tijuca and Rio, and obviously the Christ, the Redeemer, with his, we have a saying that 
the architect so much liked his job, he left his only son to take care of it. So we're looking to receive all clients with open arms. Plus the fact the visas being, uh, we're going to have the visa waiver as of 1st of June for Americans and Canadians, um, Japanese and Australians. No more requirements for visas to Brazil. So get ready, come and see Rio before the Olympics or come at the Olympics or even come after. Um, and then, you know, Rio is Rio, but there's a whole of Brazil to see as well, which is a fantastic country and we'd like to see as many people there as possible. and writer who uses her energetic and dynamic voice to raise awareness about social issues, share our common history, and honor those whose shoulders we stand on. Over the years, as her career flourished, Renee found commonalities and inspiration through one of the most iconic figures in America, Eartha Kitt. Renee, who has just released a tribute album honoring Eartha Kitt, believes that success means shining attention on important issues in America and on bold artists like Eartha Kitt, who helped change America's landscape for the better. Anytime you do a tribute album or, you know, you redo songs um, from other artists, it's always kind of risky because you find people comparing you and, you know, fairly or unfairly and and so what inspired you to take on this type of risky project well you know i just i was thinking we were sitting in the offices of the motema motema music label and thinking about um, what the next thing i wanted to do and it's always been a desire of mine to sing songs of the women from whom i i guess you say inspired me the most musically and so that would include Roberta Flack, Nina Simone, because they both sang and played the piano. And also there was Phoebe Snow, there's Bonnie Raitt, uh, Miriam Makiba, and Eartha Kitt. So as I was naming the different names, some, when I said Eartha Kitt, somebody said, ooh. I said, yeah, you know, I do uh, several songs that Eartha Kitt also did. And of course, at the time, I had never heard of I Want to Be Evil or I'd Rather Be Burned as a Witch. I was thinking more of... My heart belongs to Daddy. There's mm-hmm. um, um, oh, no peel me a grape. Something else. And so, um, but then I saw. I thought, oh, what about a tribute album? And before I could stop myself, I had said that because I swore I would never, ever, ever do a tribute album. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's not really a tribute to to Eartha. My viewpoint was. Let's let's do a tribute to the music that she used to sing, not to Eartha herself, because I thought that's the last thing I want is people comparing me to Eartha, because they're in my mind, honey, there ain't no comparison. You know, you might as well. They broke the mold, mm-hmm. or she broke the mold, I mm-hmm. should say. So um, I, I was a, a bit afraid of that, and yet I knew that from a marketing standpoint, we might as well be honest here. To, to try and market it like that was a good idea. So there was a lot of back and forth of me wanting to maintain my um, creative uh, purity, what, what I saw as my creative purity, and them also seeing the benefit of of putting Eartha Kitt more to the forefront. And so once they decided that, that they wanted to put With Love to Eartha Kitt on there, it 
it just seemed to behoove me to find out more about Eartha Kitt's life. Mm-hmm. And that's where the gold was. You're listening to World Footprints Radio with Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick. We're talking to jazz artist Renee Marie about overcoming challenges for tribute album to Eartha Kitt and transformational travel. Visit this show page on our website at worldfootprints.com to read more about Renee Marie. And speaking of her life, you know, she lived a very inspiring life. And I think just reading about you and the things that you've done, you've, I was going to say, channeled her. Um, but, you know, you have your own inspirational story and teaching moments um, throughout your life's journey about courage, faith, and tenacity, and, and really philanthropy. Um, and I, I love that commonality that that you share with her and, and, and other artists, but we're talking about Eartha here um, right now. Talk a little bit about your life's journey from, you know, before 40 years old or 42 when okay. you started your singing career until now. Okay. Well, um, the first 40 years of my life, <laughs> well, the, like from 20, well, I got married at 18. Okay. And um, I had my, my first son about a year and a half later, and then my second son about another year, two years later or more. And um, my husband and I were very religious. We belonged to a strict religious organization, I'll call it. And um, and I was, I was um, in that group for 20-some years. And uh, prior to that, prior to joining that group, my husband and I met in a, a a band. He played keyboards, and he plays other instruments as well too. And I was a singer, so that's how we met. But we stopped when we joined this group. Um, but we continued to play music at home, and you know, among this group of people that we worshipped with. So, um, and I worked at the bank. I loved being a mom, and I loved working at the bank. I uh, started off as a teller. And then over the next nine years, moved up to um, training customer service reps. I developed a, a booklet for, for the bank to train the customer service reps with, and I conducted classes and trained the trainers. So it was very enjoyable for me. And the whole time, Tanya, I'm singing. I'm singing at work. I'm singing in the car. I'm singing everywhere. And so um, my son, my oldest son, one day when I was 42, he encouraged me to come to a restaurant and listen to a woman singing with a trio and and said, as a way of convincing me I should do the same, he says, you, she's singing the same songs you're singing, Mom, but she's not doing anything with them. They're just boring and dead. And, and mm-hmm. I remember sitting there thinking, wow, I can't believe she's getting paid to do this. It was really a travesty. So mm-hmm. um, we went home and talked it over as a family, my two sons and my husband, and uh, decided that I would um, call a friend who had his own quintet and ask him if I could uh, sit in with his group. And I did. It seemed to be not even a week had passed before I went down there. And that's where it started. I, I, I started singing, and I forgot how much my own personality is embedded in in my singing and this whole other language and way of being comes out for me that that's not doesn't i haven't found an outlet for any other way i'll put it that way mm-hmm. 
And so since then, you know, I mean, I, I started singing, and I, within a year, I had my own band because I was tired of singing only the songs that musicians, you know, instrumentalists want to play in their key. So I had to get my own songs and my own keys, and I got my own band. And my husband, um, he gave me an ultimatum and told me I either had to stop singing or move out, um, which was quite keeping in line with the way men typically dealt with women in that religious organization. Mm -hmm. So um, after some physical violence um, that accompanied the ultimatum, is when I got up off the floor and I walked out the door. Music was Renee Marie's first love, but when she married at the age of 18 and subsequently had two children, she left music behind. Years later, she tried to return to her craft, but was met with resistance by her husband of 23 years. She was issued an ultimatum to stop singing or leave. She chose to leave and begin her professional music career at the age of 42. In 2008, Renee faced a different type of adversity when she was invited to sing the Star Spangled Banner at a civic event in Denver and substituted the song's lyrics with those from Lift Every Voice and Sing. Despite a violent and oppressive marriage and road bumps beyond the Denver event, Renee has continued to fine-tune her voice. to World Footprints Radio with Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick. Coming up, we will continue our conversation with jazz vocalist Renee Marie, and we'll learn how her trip to Germany forced her to admit a painful truth to herself. We will also revisit a conversation with Rockin' Doopsy Jr. from one of our many trips to New Orleans for French Quarter Festival. If you want more travel experiences beyond this radio show, we invite you to visit our website, worldfootprints.com, where you can peruse our library of award-winning radio shows, articles, and more. You can also find links to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. That is how Renee Marie faced adversity. Renee also realized that you were never too old to reinvent yourself or face your own truth, no matter how unflattering they might be. As we continue our conversation with Renee Marie, we learn what really happened when she was invited to sing the Star-Spangled Banner at the Denver Mayor's State of the City Address and the backlash that followed. Well, it, it was the Mayor's State of the City Address, and it was, it was held in City Hall. They had asked me... Um, well, maybe three months before that event, they had I had been asked to sing at the um, 
the Colorado Prayer Luncheon, which is what all the mayors of the Colorado state get together in Denver and as well as the governor. And, you know, it's a real big hoity-toity thing. Mm -hmm. And so I sang um, uh, Lift Every Voice and Sing lyrics with the melody of the Star Spangled Banner at that event three months prior. And afterwards, the governor came up to me and gave me this big hug. You know, he says, do you know what you just did? Wow, that was great. And people from the mayor's office, the mayor was not there. The mayor of Denver wasn't there. But Mm -hmm. people from his office came up and told me how much they enjoyed that and gave me, uh, one of them gave me his card. And then I got an email about a month later saying, would you sing at the mayor's State of the City address? So... Since I had done that song there previously, I thought, well, this should be cool. But as the date got closer, you know, I was filled with some apprehension and fear. I didn't know what a a mayor's state of the city address was. I just felt this sense of, ooh, mm, this is going to be something. So much so that I I called a dear friend of mine, Dr. Vincent Harding, who was a contemporary of Martin Luther King, he worked with him and wrote some of his speeches. He was living in Denver at the time, and and I asked him, you know, what do you think I should do? What would uh, Martin Luther King do? Or based on your knowledge of Martin Luther King, do you think I should go on full head with this? Or, and he said, absolutely. He said, it's your decision, but it would be, you know, the the course of courage to take so when I went to the the, the the next day was the mayor's state of the city address and um, when they called my name to sing just for a split second I, I said to myself now you know you don't have to go through this you, you can just go ahead and do it the regular way <laughs> mm-hmm. but then I thought about my dad and other um, African American men who had served in the military in World War II, and when they came back, they were faced with um, acts of racism and still uh, Jim Crow laws in the South. And I just I just couldn't punk out. On, I just couldn't punk out. I just had to go through with it. So that's what I did. Um, a disgruntled member of uh, city council was there, asked his intern, who was an African-American young woman, he asked her, what was that song she sang anyway? And the young woman replied that it was um, the Black National Anthem. And what he heard was Black National and translated that into Black Nationalism uh-huh. and went to the local conservative radio uh, show that same day. And within two hours, I, was, I got a phone call from that radio station wanting me to come down to be interviewed. And after a few questions, I I figured out, oh, so this is what this is what this is about. It's like, no, I'm not going down. I'm not going down no lion's den. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> you know, I've 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 listened to that that radio program, so I decided I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. And then I got more and more calls, one right after the other, and I thought, what in the world is going on? So it turned out that people were listening to the talk show. They called the mayor, and the mayor called me and asked me if I would please apologize for having sung that song the way that I did. 
And I said, I do not apologize. I'm not going to apologize for singing those two songs. Both of them were written by Americans. Both of them are about love for this country. Only difference is that one is black and one is white. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to apologize for that, no. But I tell you what, I said to the mayor, if you're getting emails and phone calls, you give them my email address and give them my cell phone number, and I will respond. You guys shouldn't have to be trying to answer for me for what I did. This is World Footprints Radio with Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick. We are speaking to jazz artist Renee Marie about her music, travels, and the road bumps that fostered personal growth. Visit worldfootprints.com to find a direct link to Renee Marie's website. As an artist, you travel all over the world singing. What and where has been the most transformative experience you've had as as an artist? Oh, boy. Well, this is not going to be the answer you expect. But um, I think the most transformative experiences I've had on the road is when I have been faced with my own prejudices mm-hmm. while traveling. I didn't realize that I have this viewpoint that as an American my way of thinking is right or our way of thinking is right the American way is the way I didn't know that it was embedded in me until I started traveling and I discovered this because people do things differently in in different countries and I would find myself thinking about as I would observe them doing certain things differently, that it was, you know, I would be disparaging in my own thoughts about these people. As an example, I I traveled to Germany for the first time, and um, unbeknownst to me, I had absorbed a lot of the German stereotypes that I've seen in cartoons since I was a kid up till now in movies of Germans Nazis, etc., etc., and I was shocked to discover that when I heard people, especially men, speaking in German, I automatically assumed that there that there was something. I'm just being totally honest here. That there was something bad about it, because because it's always shown that way in the media. Not always, but. The majority of the things I've seen in the media reflect this this thing about Nazism and Germans. But my personal experience while I was in Germany, which was for over a week, my personal experience didn't reflect any of that. All of it was positive and great that I had with with um, with Germans. Mm. But my but the stereotype was a huge thing that was already embedded in my heart Mm -hmm. and my thinking and I didn't know it until it came out and I was so dismayed to discover that I had this inside me I mean I was almost in tears at the thought like devastated like oh my goodness what in the world to see where Renee Marie may be performing near you visit ReneeMarie.com for her tour schedule or search this show page at worldfootprints.com for a direct link. 
In this Destination Spotlight, we continue our focus on Rio de Janeiro with Michael Najee at the New York Times Travel Show, where we learn how Rio's social, cultural, and natural treasures enhance a traveler's experience. Today you can go to Rio. I'll give it. Obviously, everybody does the Christ the Redeemer and the Sugar Loaf, which must be done because it is. It's like coming to New York and not going to see uh, the yeah or Statue of Liberty. Um, but Rio's much more than that. Our culinary in Brazil, our gastronomy is so so rich. So you can actually buy foods from all over the all over Brazil. You can in Brazil. You, the regionality of Brazil is in Rio in in our in our gastronomy. Then you have obviously our music, the uh, Frank Sinatra, Tom Jobim, saying the girl from Ipanema together. But also downtown Rio, where the birth of Musica Popular MPB was. Uh, so you've got places like the Hill Scenario, where you can actually go back and you can see what we say, Chorinho, which is the Rio, then uh, the Rio Samba. Then obviously our our favelas, our shanty towns, they are, are tourism products. So you can actually go into the to the favela. You can go and have lunch in the favela. You can actually get married in the favela now. Um, so the, the the integration of all social segments of the city together in tourism are available for people to see. Then you go to somewhere like Baja. You can actually go on a riverboat cruise for three hours, and you swear you're in the Pantanal or you're in the Everglades. You're, you're seeing alligators. You're seeing the wildlife, and you you don't realize you're in Rio to do that. Um, if you like sports, I mean all sports. Rio, we are very sporty people. So whatever time of day, you'll always see people running or walking on the beach, and the integration. If it's kite surfing, if it's rowing, if it's bicycling. Now we're going to have a, a cycle path that you can go from downtown Rio for 43 kilometers along the beaches all the way to Baja. So you can actually, if you if you like bike, you can actually see Rio by bike now. Um, so there's so much more. Um, obviously, our shopping today as a dollar and exchange rate the way it is. I'll give you an example. I paid for a glass of wine yesterday, $15, and I almost had a heart attack. But then, but then I did the, the equation to Rio. You'd pay $3 for the same glass of wine in Rio. So, you know, it's that cheap. the following people have in common. Britney Spears, President Bill Clinton, B.B. King, Tina Turner, the Neville Brothers, Cindy Lauper, Jimmy Buffett, Pat Sajak, and Bonnie Raitt? That's a long list of an eclectic group of people, but one of the common denominators they share is Rockin' Doopsy Jr. Each of these people have either performed with or have been entertained by Doopsy Jr. and the Zydeco Twisters. Described as the Mick Jagger of the Marsh, Rockin' Doopsy Jr. has traveled to more cities than a Greyhound bus or Delta airplane. Welcome. It's good to be here. Welcome to New Orleans. Oh, thank, thank you. you, man. You are one of the baddest dudes on the planet. Oh. <laughs> you know it. Come on. Oh, you know that's true. I appreciate that. I'll <laughs> take that as a huge compliment. No, coming honestly, I saw you last year at the Hornets pep rally, and, uh-huh. I, and I, was, I thought I saw James Brown before oh. me. It was so bad. Thank I you. mean, bad. Well, you know what? And you did a move, and I thought, it hurt me, because I thought, 
I don't do splits anymore. You know, I'm pretty sure I saw well, you I, going down. I still have a few years. Oh. I don't know how much. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> well, I, I feel like I'm. Uh, we're, we're in the presence of royalty, so I'm, oh. I'm going to curtsy to you. Oh well, no. <laughs> well, y'all so kind. Oh well, you're you're kind to join us, and thank you so much for for Thanks stopping for by. Yeah, it's our pleasure. I want to ask you know the list of, of people you performed with just goes on. I mean, I I could have spent the whole 15 minutes really talking about the people you perform with, and you know, not including Paul Simon and James Brown. I mean, and, and the, the show Kathy Lee and Regis or Regis and Kathy Lee. Ooh, I would have gotten in trouble on that one. Uh, Gail King, and you know, all this really started, I understand, when you got a, an accordion at the age of nine, yeah. which was later followed by the most, uh, the, the critical instrument in a Zydeco band, the washboard. Right. Tell us about your start and, and just your your well, evolution. Actually, actually uh, as you know, my father, Rockin' Dupsy Sr., was one of the pioneers of Zydeco music. He was playing, they started Zydeco music back in the 50s. But back then, it wasn't called Zydeco music. It was called Lala music. Lala music. Lala. Yeah. And, and Zydeco music really didn't start to be called Zydeco music till the late 70s, like 77, 78. And Zydeco in French is a snap bean. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, yeah, you know, like yeah. the green man in the can. And, and yeah. you know, we're like, where are you going tonight? I'm going to the Zydeco. And when my father first started, it was just him and a cousin of his called Chester Zeno. And they played a card. He, my, my dad was a card he player, and Chester was the washboard player. Mm. And when they play a la-la on a Saturday night, they'd go to somebody's living room, take all the furniture out, charge a quarter to get in. You know, and, and, and that's how it all started. And then growing up, Growing up in the, uh, uh, my father's household, you know, there were guys that um, came around, like B.B. Uh, King would come to visit my father yeah. at the house, the, mm. the late, gate, the late great Gate Mount Brown, and, you know, a whole Charles Brown, a whole lot of them. And I guess uh, growing up, I was a young kid that was so influenced by rhythm and blues and rock and roll, which some of my biggest influence was, you know, of course, guys like James Brown yeah. and, and, and uh, Wilson Pickett, yeah. Sam Cooke, you know, um, Jackie Wilson, all your great yeah. entertainers, you know. Yeah. So, And, of course, then came Michael Jackson and Prince, and I try to collaborate, you know, what they do into myself. Oh, you, know, you you do it so well, and, and as I said, I was I was just mesmerized. There are very few people I've been mesmerized. I've seen Prince live. That that's where you took me, and I just said, "Wow, oh, thank that you. man is amazing." You know, and 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 I and I'll, I'll just forewarn you, Ian might try to. Um, emulate you because oh no <laughs> I wish I wish he would come out to no, the no, show no. tomorrow night <laughs> oh but you know what? I'm telling you he will he will sing uh, you know after a few glasses of something uh, he will get on the stage at a karaoke and try to do James Brown now you know, I, I that's a little, little bit embarrassing for me but you know well, well, it's embarrassing for me but hey you know I bet despite the drinks he got his boots <laughs> oh yeah. hey yeah. I could only hope and pray well there you go yeah. now, now I out of all of the uh, the different uh, people that you performed with, and, and considering their different genres of music, Zydeco music has really broken out of its southern Louisiana uh, breeding ground to become very universal. How did that happen? Well, you know, Zydeco music is... Uh kind of started off like like reggae you know reggae had like a slow start and it was all the reggae followers and then it broke
through. But then Zydeco music, you start having the guys like like the Paul Simons and the Jimmy Buffets and, you know, all these cats listening to Zydeco music. They come down like, there's a lot of places I go around California, New York City, where you'll have either, either Billy Joel or uh, Dennis Quaid or somebody get on stage and... Uh, Come rock out to Zodico. If you're not dancing to Zodico music, then you got a hole in your soul. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And uh, yeah, we we try we try to get a crossover to a different rhythm and blues style with the Zodico stuff. And as you can hear, there's a lot of Zodico music and a lot of national commercials. Mm-hmm. So that's working. You know, that's working real well. But you know, one of the greatest influences in my career, well, for me, was being home on a Saturday morning and getting a call from my manager and being. Beyonce was in town doing her B-Day CD. Oh, my. And she wanted some Zydeco flavor on her CD. <laughs> and she goes, how, how soon can you get to Oak Alley Plantation? And I'm like, in 10 minutes. <laughs> 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 she said, Beyonce wants you. But I did not perform on the record, but she wanted a Zydeco look. She wanted the party in the washboard. So if you got the B-Day mm-hmm. CD, they got like 15 pictures of us together on the inside of the CD cover. So it, it, it was pretty cool. You're listening to World Footprints Radio with Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick, and we're revisiting a conversation we had with Rock and Dupsey Jr. at New Orleans French Quarter Festival. We have a link to Dupsey's show schedule on this show page at worldfootprints.com. Is there anybody else that, that I mean, you perform with everybody, but is there anybody out there that you, you're dying to perform with? Uh, I, I'd like to do some stuff. Actually, I'd like to do some stuff with Mick Jagger. I'd like uh-huh. to do some stuff with uh, Usher, Chris Paul, okay. those young guys. Yeah. Showing, you know, this old man still got a little fire. Oh, thing. man. <laughs> man, you, you got more than fire. You got an inferno. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> right. So smooth. Hey, hey, I appreciate that. I like this guy. He's, he's a well, cute Well, hey, yeah. you know, but, uh, you, know, you, know, you know, one of the things in just talking about Zydeco music is that all of these different instruments, You've got music, and then you got stuff that my grandmother used to clean clothes with, washboards, right. all of that stuff. Talk to us about 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 how it just blends everything. Because I've seen musicians all over. I I I I can remember being in Toronto when I was a kid, and some young boys grabbed some Rubbermaid trash cans and were just jamming right there on Young Street. You know, just just taking what's there, and that sounds like part of what Zydeco is. You what? work with what you got. Yeah, Zydeco. I mean, there's no choice to put on and go in the studio and uh, do Zydeco. I remember when we were recording with Bob Dylan on the Old Mercy CD. He was he had a choice, and I remember my father saying, "Look, just just let's go with what we feel." Uh-huh. Zydeco, you play Zydeco from your heart. It's what uh-huh. you feel. And, I mean, you have a washboard, you have a cardigan, some have a, a harmonica. And I add elements to, to my group after my, the passing of my father that he never had. I had an extra trumpet, kept the saxophone, I had a keyboard player, because I wanted that big sound. And uh, Zydeco music, as you say, it goes way back to the days of, like, the, the, the T-Bone Walker, you know, the uh, Slim Harpos. You take all that rhythm and blues stuff, and Zydeco music, you know, they say country music is like singing about a sad song. Uh-huh. Zydeco music is less... It's like singing through poverty, you know. It's yeah. like working your way up to the top, you know. Because, uh-huh. I mean, my dad growing up, my dad never had a high school education. Uh, never got a chance to go to school. Mm-hmm. All he did was work in the field, broke, broke uh, like, pick cotton and broke potatoes and stuff. And, you know, and... Um, 
that's what Zodico is all about, you know, talking about the life, how you're growing up, and, and you know, that lives through me. Speaking of your dad, he was honored. Uh, his, his crown was put on permanent display, and I actually shared that with somebody here who uh, who didn't know this. Uh-huh. But, uh, but that permanent on permanent display at the Smithsonian in, right. in our hometown, Washington D.C. Right. And you went there. You were honored, but you also performed. What was that like for you? Actually, we went there. We performed, and it, it, it was it was more than an honor to me. I think after the show, everybody loved the show. But I think when the show was over, that. that uh, people at Smithsonian wanted to. If they, if they could have tied me up and had me locked up, they would. Because I was performing, <laughs> and the crowd was sitting down. And you don't come to Rock and Duke's show and sit down. I know. And the guy, the, the guy informed me. He goes, look, we have no dancing in here, so everybody's got to sit down and enjoy the show. Smithsonian? Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, and I'm no. like, y'all got to get up and come party and have a great time. And uh, You got to shake those folks up in D.C. Right, right. Get them and, off their butt. And they got up, and uh, they they had a good time, and, and it was it, it was a great honor for my father. You know, my father was left-handed. Of course, I'm left-handed, but the, the greatest thing about my father, he took a right-handed accordion, and he turned it upside down, and he learned how to play the keyboards coming up backwards. Ooh. Yeah, so my father was pretty much one of the only left-handed accordion players in the whole world so that was that was that was great that was that was a great thing and uh actually i have to throw this in here i'm getting i'm getting honored oh hello oh, I'm, getting, I'm, tell. I'm getting honored into the tipatina's walk of fame no. oh, when you go to tipatina's i have my flag <laughs> on the sidewalk and not only am i getting honored two juniors are getting honored on the oh, same wow. day it'll be rockin Ducey jr and harry connick jr oh, oh really? fantastic i'm a great company man I'm oh a great company. yeah this oh, is great yeah man. Well, congratulations. You know, we need to throw a party up in D.C. Yeah, when well, are you, hey, when holla, are you coming back? Holla, I'm coming. I'm, now, ready. I'm ready. Now, now, uh, one of the things that you talked about is just Zydeco and, and how it's spread. We've got a guy up in D.C. you probably know about, Chuck Brown and Go-Go. It, yeah. It's got a lot of that. And, you know, you guys are just so connected. And so it's just interesting how all of this music just bridges so many people in so many places. Well, you know, it's a beautiful thing because guys like Chuck Brown, who's very, I think he's a very talented guy, they come to New Orleans and they, they see a lot of different stuff and they hear a lot of different music and they take what we do and collaborate it into what they're doing and it takes it around. And they say, man, where you heard that, brother? Man, Rock and Dukes or something. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm coming to D.C. and I'm going to take y'all the real deal, so that's a great Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. To follow Rock and Dukes Jr. and the Zydeco Twisters, visit rockanddoopsyjr.com Rockin' is spelled without the G. We also have a direct link on this show page at worldfootprints.com love sharing inspiring stories and those are stories that we heard from Gloria and Renee and we probably would have heard some from Dupsy had we had more time with him at the French Quarter Festival. The stories about overcoming challenges, about following that still small voice, we've done that in our own personal lives and it's something we've been preaching forever but it's so wonderful to hear actual successful stories from these women. I mean, Renee started her career at the age of 42. 
in many people's minds, that's too late to reinvent yourself. And both of them have indicated that it's never, ever too late to reinvent yourself. And again, that's something we've been talking about. Well, reinvention is something that we all have to do because uh, change is the one constant in life, whether or not we accept that. And to Renee Marie's credit, she's a fighter. She comes from uh, you know a hard scrabble part of Virginia, where people put their nose to the grindstone, and she is tenacious. She never gave up on herself, and never quit believing in new possibilities for herself, and she's gotten places where I'm sure have taken her far, far from where she grew up, and even overcoming a tough marriage and and a really tough situation and dealing with a really political situation, which was not of her making, but really something she was kind of pulled into and deceived by those who looked favorably upon what she did, only to turn on her. So she showed tremendous courage and stood up for herself against some pretty powerful forces. And in terms of Gloria, Gloria has had to reinvent herself. She stopped acting on television when she worked uh, as a daytime soap star on Days of Our Lives. This industry, the entertainment industry, beats you down and tells you you're too old or you're not good enough. And so for her to keep going and finding new ways and to communicate her message and uh, share her voice and her craft is wonderful. And, you know, Doopsy just wanted... I just wanted to get up and dance with him. I mean, he's, he, he's one of the most colorful but beautiful people I think we've had on our show, and I really wish we had more time with him. Yes, and if a guy could ever excite me, he is he is the guy, obviously. <laughs> and uh, the thing that I like about him is his energy, and mm-hmm. I appreciate him as an entertainer, as a consummate entertainer, a guy who reminds me of people that I've loved, like James Brown, Prince, and so forth, and he evokes that that and what he gives in every performance and that's what I love about the guy I mean he's a master showman and he delivers every time and I, and I think this is why he has such a strong ability to bridge with so many mm-hmm. folks in the industry so many musicians who appreciate what he does and what he brings every single time to the table with one of his performances. Mm -hmm. And I I just want to touch on the the travel that both Gloria and Renee talked about, but particularly Renee, her trip to Germany and how that caused her to face her own prejudices. And she was honest enough to admit that she had that character flaw and really sought to to overcome that and and, and embrace the, the German people that she held some contempt for uh, at some point. Speaking of travel, let's talk about Brazil. Brazil's coming up. The Olympics are coming up. I hope that the country is ready uh, for the onslaught of visitors they're, they're going to get. I'm actually looking forward to going beyond the Olympics and getting to know the people and going into communities, maybe going into the shanty towns, just to see how real Brazilians live. I think Brazil will be ready. I, you know, this always happens before every Olympiad, and it's just one of these things that we go through. And I, and I think the bigger question, really, for Rio is, and for Brazil, is will this investment uh, pay off in in a way that uh, Rio needs this? And I'm not so certain that a city of its global stature really needs an Olympiad. Well, fingers crossed. 
But in closing, we'd like to leave you with a quote from Benjamin Disraeli. Like all great travelers, I have seen more than I remember and remember more than I have seen. Thank you for traveling with us today. We appreciate you inviting us into your life. We're Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, and we look forward to sharing another amazing journey with you on World Footprints Radio. World Footprints Radio with Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick is a production of World Footprints Media, Silver Spring, Maryland. The multi-award-winning radio show can be heard around the globe on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, iTunes, and more. Visit worldfootprints.com for a complete list. World Footprints Radio is a leading voice in socially responsible travel. At worldfootprints.com, you'll find an archive of past broadcasts, travel news, reviews, and information you can use to deepen your travel experience. Listen, learn, and live it at worldfootprints.com.